You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your Modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives, securing futures. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Sitting in the guest co-host chair is Colin Brister at Colin Brister. Today's guest on Talk of Champions is former Ole Miss defensive end John Youngblood. Coming up in just about 20 minutes or so. But first, it's Colin. What's up, man? How you doing? Good, man. How are you? Good. Ole Miss baseball beats Southern Miss in Pearl, whips Southern Miss in Pearl on Tuesday. This week in a big weekend series against Kentucky, one back-to-back SE series, first against Arkansas, then the sweep of Florida. I have no idea what to make of Ole Miss baseball. I don't know <laughs> if they've turned a corner or not. I dare to say they might have, and then something bad happens against Kentucky this weekend. Tell me right now, resident Colin Brister, super Ole Miss baseball expert, what are your thoughts on Ole Miss baseball and where they are right now? I kind of just feel like they're playing up to their talent level for maybe the first time all season. I don't, I don't really, even Ole Miss was winning games, you know, at the first of the season, I don't think they were playing particularly well. Um, and, and so I think right now it's just that they're playing uh, up to their talent level. And, and it, I mean, it's like we said at the beginning of the season, it's one of the more talented teams in the country. And if they play well, they're going to give themselves a shot to host a regional and be a national seed and, and have a shot of making the college world series. And I kind of just think that's what it is right now is I don't think it's a hot streak. I think it's just, this team is kindly kind of figured out that they're really good and they're playing, you know, kind of like they should. 
I think their RPI now is around 2021. 20, it was 24 right. from 41 after sweeping Florida, beating Southern Miss, 2021, 20, something around there. Where do they need to get to to feel comfortable about potentially hosting? Uh, they need to be in the top 18. Um, you know, they're, they're pretty RPI heavy. I, I don't think anybody outside of the top 18 is hosted uh, past three years or so. But I think if Ole Miss is if Ole Miss has the resume that they should, um, I don't think getting inside the top 18 will be an issue. So I think if as long as they're in, inside the top 18, they'll be fine. Now, you know, national seed discussion is a whole different ballgame. But just from hosting purposes, yeah, as long as they're in the top 18, they should be fine as long as all the other metrics follow suit. Zach Phillips went on Tuesday. I've been calling for that since he got moved out of the weekend rotation to become the stalwart for the midweek as far as being that weekend or midweek anchor as a pitcher, as a starting pitcher. And he did pretty well. He got in a little bit of trouble early, but then settled in really well and pitched against a pretty quality Southern Miss team. I think he's found his role. And it, 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 for me, it seemed like a no-brainer to put him there, that if you wanted a player that you believe in the talent to figure it out, then the midweek is the place to do it. And it's not like you're devaluing him by throwing him in the midweek. These games matter. And you've lost far more games this year in the midweek than you did at any point last year. So if you need that guy to stabilize the midweek games, then Zach Phillips seems pretty obvious. So I think that was my biggest takeaway so far through the last two weeks. I know the Florida sweep was Really nice for Ole Miss baseball, and they whipped that team, scored an ungodly amount of runs. <laughs> but if, if we knew the offense was going to play, we always knew it was going to eventually find itself. Greg Kessinger is rolling right now up and down the lineup. I could go player by player and tout how well they're hitting the ball right now. But for me, Zach Phillips stabilizing in midweek would seem to be the biggest development if it continues to be that way. You're right, because because these, like you said, for an RPI perspective and, and just kind of overall, these games matter the same as the weekend, um, which I kind of think is silly. But I mean, that, that's the way it is when it when they get to June and, they, and the committee looks at the resumes. So, yeah, you're right. Ole Miss has got to be stable in the midweek. And, and I kind of feel like I don't feel like they want to throw Gunnar Hogland in the midweek simply because I think they want to have him as an option on Sundays. And so I think it's going to be Phillips for, for the duration. I think he throws next Tuesday against Memphis, and I think he throws the next Tuesday back in Pearl uh, against Mississippi State. Because, you know, I mean, obviously he got into a little bit of trouble the first two innings, but he battled out of it. And he was kind of dominant until till he ran into a little bit of trouble there in the fifth, but they weren't really squaring him up that well in the fifth inning. It just kind of some balls fell. So I think you're right. I think Phillips in the midweek is, is, is really good for Ole Miss, and especially if he can relish that role. It kind of just – it keeps a guy, like you said, that is it, that obviously they believe has the talent. It keeps him – because he's not a guy that you're just going to stick on the bench and forget about. So it keeps him in the rotation and, and pitching for you. Gunnar Hoglin out of the bullpen was interesting. Yeah, I don't know if I like that or not. I can't, I can't decide if I like it or not, or not either. I, I prefer to have him on the weekend and just let him start and figure it out. But whatever. If it's working, it's working. <laughs> it worked-ish on Tuesday, if that's what I guess. But, I mean, is it's kind of like the James MacArthur thing. Like, it, it, I don't think his stuff plays really well out of the bullpen. I don't know what the difference kind of would be with from MacArthur to Hoglin, you know? The big thing is I don't know if there's an obvious candidate to replace him on Sunday. I, I've kind of... Myers would be Houston the one, Rock. right? Do what? Would Tyler Myers would be the would be the next candidate, yeah, right? But he's so valuable in your bullpen. Yeah, he's Will exactly. Etheridge last year. That's why James MacArthur had to stay in the rotation, and then you backed him up and kept Will Etheridge available for the weekend when he inevitably does James MacArthur only go one, two, three innings. That's <laughs> and then every once in a while, because of the talent, 
James MacArthur is going to give you some length. He's going to extend himself and go five, six, seven innings. And that's what Gunnar Hoglund can be. Uh, there's this unrealistic expectation right now, I think. And it's not necessarily with the Ole Miss baseball coaches, but certainly within the fan base. Because of the success of Doug Nikhazy and how good he's been, that Gunnar Hoglund needs to be following along the same type of developmental journey that Doug Nikhazy's following along. The different prospects. I mean, every guy yeah. develops and comes along at different timelines to – unfairly compare Doug Nikhazy and Gunnar Hogland does a disservice to Gunnar Hogland as a potential prospect. I think we're diminishing the talent level and what he's ultimately going to be because he's not having the same type of success right now. And I just think it's unfair to him. I think he needs to be starting on Sundays. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. I, I think they need to just let the kid because because they don't let him really battle out of situations. You know, he lets a few runners on it and they kind of yank him and go to the next guy. And I understand it's it's the SEC and you got to win baseball games. But, uh, you know, you kind of would like to see him, you know, what figure out a way to get out of some situations when runners get on. Uh, I think you're right. I think they probably need to go back to him on Sundays and just kind of let the kid figure it out at this point. Uh, because frankly, I don't really know outside of starting Myers. I think if you started Tyler Myers, that would be a better option than Gunnar Hoglund as far as success right now. With that being said, I don't know if that makes your team better. And I'm not sure there's an option that you can put out there on Sunday that makes your team better than Gunnar Hoglund right now. Right. I, it'd be different if Houston Roth was out there stuffing it, but he's not. Right. He's not doing anything to really give you any type of confidence that he can go out there and give you quality starts you know, outing after outing. He just can't do it. So Gunnar Hoglund, I believe in the talent. You and I have said that repeatedly whenever we've talked about Ole Miss baseball or just baseball in general. In the end, I believe that talent wins out. And if you ask me, all right, here's Houston Roth, Gunnar Hoglund, uh, Tyler Myers. Here's what Ole Miss has. Here's what Ole Miss needs. I'm putting Gunnar Hoglund on Sunday and leaving Tyler Myers where he is because I know that I get more value out of Tyler Myers in the bullpen right now with Gunnar Hogland right. starting and giving me the potential big outing, even if it's one out of every four turns, I don't care. I can back that up with Houston Roth and with Tyler Myers, whoever else it might be. He needs to be on Sundays. Do I think he's going to be on Sundays? No. I think that's pretty obvious at this point that they're taking well, him off of Sundays. You know, and, and we talk about Myers in the bullpen, and I, I get I completely with you. But it's a situation too where I think Ole Miss, you know, puts it as to be announced. Because what if what if you get into a situation like, you know, happened last weekend that said Etheridge goes seven innings and you haven't used Myers before Sunday? Now that might be a situation where you start Myers because I mean you just yes. you roll yeah. him out there because that's kind of what they did with R.J. Hively in 2012. Um, but I also don't think that he's the guy that you can just say no, I'm not going to throw him on Friday or Saturday when I can win a baseball game. Um, and, and just, you know, leave him in the, leave him in the dugout because you want him to start on Sunday when you've got another option in a first round pick. So I'm with you. I, I think he's too valuable to be able to bridge this gap because let's just be honest. They're not as deep as the bullpen as they probably wanted to be before the year. I mean, they've got, they've got three guys back there that they trust to get outs right now. And it's Tyler Myers. It's uh, Austin Miller and Parker Crazy. And that are the, those are the only three guys that they know within a shadow of a doubt that they put on the mound. They're more than likely going to get it done. Everybody else is kind of a work in progress right now. So it's kind of hard to pluck somebody out of that bullpen and make it even, uh, you know, not make it worse off. Right. And and the thing we haven't mentioned enough, we assume with Parker Caracci that he's going to go out there and dominate. But toward the end of the year last year, it was getting a little shaky. And to start right. the year, he wasn't great. He didn't have a great fall. He didn't have a great spring preseason practice run. And yet, despite his first two outings, I think, he's been absolutely dominant closing the games yeah. right now. 
Yeah, and, and they haven't ridden him as hard this year as, as they did last year, you know, because Which is last smart. year, yeah, well, last year was a little bit because you just weren't getting anything from Dallas Wolf folks, so he was having to fill two roles. Um, but this year, they kind of just, if you know, let him do his one or two anything. And I don't think it's too much to ask the kid to get two two innings. Like a lot of like a lot of people had a problem with what they did with them on Saturday night. I thought that was fine in a one off setting. I don't think you can ask him to do that every weekend, you know. No, you can't. And that's where Mike Bianco kind of overextended him last year because he kept asking him to do multi-inning closeout games. And this is from a player who had not pitched any games in the previous two years. So they're doing a better job of balancing that, and that's important. Austin Miller, he's kind of had to shoulder the brunt of everything this year as far as being the guy, okay, who do we go to? We need some outs. Well, Austin Miller can go again. He's been that guy. They've stayed away from Parker Crazy enough to where I think by the end of the year, he'll be fresher than he was last year and still be giving you true value on the back end of your bullpen. That matters. That matters with a player who, while he did handle a big load last year, he'd handled nothing in the year two years previous to that. So you need to protect him, and now they're finally doing so. I think they've mapped out a course for how they want to handle him. And and you know he's like you said his numbers within SEC play. I think I looked at him the other day. He's got a he's got a zero ERA and a point three nine WHIP over like eight innings with twelve strikeouts or so. I mean just dominance. And you know it was it was I've given I'll be honest I've criticized a lot of things Mike has done this year. I thought that was one of his better coaching jobs on on Saturday going to him right there when you have to have a zero because I'm a big believer in and put your best pitcher in in the in the game in the highest leverage situation. And it gave it with him throwing up those zeros. It gave Ole Miss, uh, you know, it gave their offense a little time to get out in front and build a little bit of a lead. And, it, and you just kind of finished the game with what you had, but thankfully for Ole Miss, Ole Miss's sake, he was able to finish the game as well. In SEC play, Parker Crazy, four appearances, three saves. He's one and oh, wins don't matter, but he's one and oh, a 0.00 ERA, 7.2 innings pitched, zero runs, two hits, one walk, 10 strikeouts. It's about as good as it gets. Yeah, I mean that's just dominant, um, and he's throwing that ba- breaking ball for strikes right that, now. Yeah, which, he's not completely fastball dependent. That's the difference. Yep, exactly. I mean he's throwing a slider in the strike zone. It's tough on hitters at that point. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. If you haven't already subscribed, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. We're also available on SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions. John Youngblood, former Ole Miss defensive end, coming up in just a minute. First, another player who's been on fire in SEC play, Greg Kessinger. 12 SEC yeah. games, 404 batting average, 12 runs, 21 hits, 7 doubles, 13 RBI. Remember when uh, he needed to be benched? <laughs> That's what I was about to say. You remember there was a time when everyone was throwing up their hands. Why is Gray Kessinger? I was one of them. Why is Gray Kessinger batting high in the order? Still, look how terrible he's doing. He's terrible. I never said he was terrible, but I believe that his bat would play better in the lower portion of the lineup. The number two hole has been perfect for him. Yes. Hopefully Mike doesn't move him to the three hole because he's, be- he's the best hitter right now. I believe that Ole Miss – in all baseball teams, for that matter, should bat their best player second. As far as SEC play is concerned, yeah. the best hitter has been Greg Kessinger. Yeah. And Maybe I, Mike I Bianco just kind of fell into that, but <laughs> Greg Kessinger has been the, their best hitter, and he's done well. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't know enough about, you know, the mechanics of swings. I would, I would have to ask Clement. I don't really know if he's done much differently after, you know, the struggles at the beginning. I think he's still the same hitter. It's just kind of happening for him right now where balls weren't falling at the beginning of the year. And, and, you know, credit to him. He, he stuck through it, obviously through a really tough stretch where he's hitting 220 for about the first month of the season. And, you know, it, it, he's just on fire right now. I mean, he's the guy that you, he's kind of the Will Golson of this lineup. The, uh, the just kind of the steady guy. Yeah, that is, I like that. In a, yeah. In, in the big situation, he's kind of the guy you want up because you know he's going to put together a good at bat regardless of results. And, uh, you know, he's just kind of been the steady hand in this lineup so far in SEC plays. Hit every weekend, which is kind of big for them. MVP of the SEC season so far has been great. Uh, I could argue Nikhazy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's one of those two. Nikhazy's solidified everything. He's allowed everyone else to fall into their roles. And it's easy to say that and overgeneralize in baseball when it's not like any other sport as far as being individually focused. But Doug Nikhazy taking on that Saturday role and running with it has allowed Mike to not work. It's like when you're plugging different holes in the dam and you plug your plug one hole and then boom, another one pops open. Right. Well, Doug Nikhazy has been super glue in the dam or whatever you want to call it to fill that hole. And now Mike can focus on specific areas. Midweek with Zach Phillips. The lineup, Reuben Ryan Olenek up to lead off. Now, Ryan isn't hitting like he was, but leading him off has allowed Gray to find his footing at two. You got Thomas Diller batting cleanup. You got a Tyler Keenan batting third. Cole Zabowski's had a really good year. Cooper Johnson has been the overall team MVP. I'm talking the whole season in totality, Cooper Johnson is that guy. But Doug Nikhazy has allowed Mike to figure these things out because he's done so well on Saturdays. Yep. And and you, like you said, I mean, it, it lets Phillips fall in the midweek. And it really helps save a bullpen when he's able to go six and seven innings consistently. You know, the bullpen's not that deep. And they're not having to get much on Saturday out of it. Because frankly, he's, he's going deep into games, which is, I think he's beyond, beyond his years from a composure standpoint as a freshman, uh, which is pr- impressive. That's his personality. He doesn't care. Yeah. He doesn't <laughs> care. You talk to him for he's any. He's better than you. Yeah, you talk to him for any length of time, and you can tell nothing bothers this kid. He goes out there and does his job. He doesn't get too high, too low. Lefties have always had a weirder personality. <laughs> it seems like you, yeah. you go back in years. Drew Pomeranz is the obvious candidate that sticks out. But if you talk to any lefty, they're just a little different. Doug Nikhazy is a free spirit, man. He does not allow anything to get too high, too low with him. He's very hipster, very hippie-ish, actually, when you talk to him. He's a skateboard going, skateboard. Around, going around town. <laughs> He's just free spirit in the wind, man. He's not worried about it. And it's allowed this team to take the pressure off a little bit, I think, just the way his personality is. He seems to me like when he's a junior, he's going to lead this team. It's not because he said anything grandiose or he stood up in the locker room and said, hey, everybody, listen to me. No, it's because (laughs) he's got the personality. Everyone just falls in lines and listens to him, and you just enjoy being around him because he's he's the dude. He's the dude. That's what he is. That's Doug (laughs) Nikhazy. You know, we kind of mentioned it. It, Let's do this. If you had to rate the if if WAR was a college statistic, who's got the top three WAR on Ole Miss's team right now? Well, see, D- Tyler Keenan, offensively through the roof. Defensively, I would feel like his UZR wasn't great. Yeah, I think it's Cooper one, right? It's Cooper. Defensive yeah. value, offensive value. It's Cooper. He would yeah. have the best all around WAR. 
Now, Doug Nikhazy's war would be high. Will Etheridge's war would be a little off because of the because injury of the, stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, Cooper. Cooper. It's Cooper one and then either Keenan or Dillard two and three, whichever probably where you wanted to put them in. I guess you can Gray's problem Gray. is defensively the errors. Right. Yeah. Th- that's cost him because he's not. Yeah. I mean, I think he's still been pretty good defensively, but, you know, th- there's been a few too many errors for sure. Anthony Servideo still can't hit left handed pitching. Yeah, but at this point, nobody can. So don't you just keep him in the lineup? Yes. A hundred percent. I would never you just take put him, him at out. the non hole. Yes. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, whatever. Nobody else is hitting lefties. So, I mean, why is he any, why take him out when he can do, you know, he can play every position pretty much. And he's a, he's a nightmare on the bases. Ryan Olenek's going to be back this weekend. He didn't play against Southern Miss. Okay. And one thing that Mike, that traditionalist view, Anthony Servideo plays an up the middle position. He's a short runner type, not a huge power guy. Oh, hit him lead off. I hate that. I hate that. <laughs> He can't hit lefties, but I would leave him in the lineup every single day and bet him ninth. That's what I would yep. do. But as far as think- war is concerned, yeah, Cooper's obviously the person. They don't gauge war in college baseball, but if they right. did, Cooper would be the guy. Overall defensive value and offensively, he's made himself a ton of money this year. So much money. So much money. <laughs> he's a first-rounder, right? Oh, I don't know about that. No, I, mean, I think he's at least first or to second. I think right now his floor is the fourth, and his ceiling would be a comp pick between the first and second. Right. Okay. I can buy that. You can maybe convince me of that. I've seen him for three years. Scouts have not. They're paying attention now. Yeah. So if you're just paying attention to him now, oh, yeah, that's a (laughs) first-rounder. But I have two other years – of production or lack thereof to fall back on. And Mike can make all the excuses he wants about, well, he had Nick Fortes in front of him. Well, Nick Fortes could have played first base, right field. Well, Cooper was the starting catcher in 2017 to start the season. Yes. Yes. Yeah. People forget that. And he couldn't hit. (laughs) And he wasn't good defensively. That's the thing. Pass balls. That was the real problem. Framing. Yeah. We all knew he had the arm. He can throw runners out. Yes. But when that's all you have, it's different. Cooper Johnson is still in this lineup if he's, if he's hitting 130, right? Yes. Okay. I mean, that, that was his offense was never going to get him in or out of the lineup. Ever. Yes. Right. Yes. I mean, you know, it's because he would still be extremely valuable if he was hitting 130 and then the nine hole. Mike Bianco values offense over defense. And in a season sure. of short samples, you should. Yeah. So agreed. Nick Fortes was always going to catch. <laughs> he was always. I mean, where are you going to take him out of the lineup? Where are you going to put him to replace somebody else? Cooper wasn't hitting the ball, but now he's hitting. Yeah. And he's a nightmare. Nightmare. Absolute nightmare. <laughs> I know nothing about Kentucky. What is Kentucky? Uh, they're, they're a bad matchup for Ole Miss from the standpoint of they have, they're not good. But they've got a first-round pick on Saturday that's left-handed. They're gonna they they announced to be announced on Sunday, but they're gonna throw their midweek kid who's left-handed. He's been really good. So if if you're looking for some problem areas, that's where it is. They can't really hit. They don't really pitch it that well, but they throw with their left hands. So and we all know Ole Miss struggles with left-handers. So that's what you're kind of looking at this weekend. What is the offense, the players to watch that they're gonna have to maneuver around? Uh, TJ Collette's had a really good year. I can't really recall 
you know, names, but they've got like two guys that are over a, a one OPS and SEC play that uh, obviously Mingione hits two and three. Um, they've, they've got guys at the top of the order that can really swing it where they kind of struggle and where st- Florida really struggled is past about that four hole or maybe the five hole. They really, really scuffling right now. Um, so kind of six through nine is kind of a black hole for Kentucky right now. Okay. Before we get to John Youngblood and cap this almost baseball discussion here, I do it every single time you're on this podcast. You have been on this <laughs> podcast in a couple of weeks. You had them at what? 40, 41 wins. Yeah, for a while it looked bad. Ah, yeah, it doesn't look so still, bad. I don't. I don't know if it's getting forty. What's their record right now? Uh, and overall, twenty-four and ten, eight and four in the SEC. Okay, so that means they've got eighteen SEC games and four non-conference games. I'm going to give them three and one in the non-conference games. Uh, You're buying Zach Phillips. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I think they beat Arkansas State and Memphis, and I don't think splitting between Southern Miss and, and State was is that wild of a concept. So that's 27 wins. I think they finish. I'm, I'm going 37. I think they go 18 and 12 in the SEC and tw- 19 and seven overall. Is that hosting? Yes, yes, that that is hosting. It's not a national seed. I think they got to win 19 to 20 to be a national seed. Um, I think that's probably the number 13 or 14 seed. And if you win, you'll probably on the road for a super regional. At this point, I think any Ole Miss fan would take it. Yeah. I mean, with the way look, they were I, playing. Correct. And look, this team hosts regional, win the regional. I don't really care where super regionals are played. It's a series. Somebody's going to win two games. Somebody's going to Omaha. I don't know if I believe in home field advantage that much. In Just get region. to a super for the second time in 11 years. <laughs> that, would, that would be good for the yeah. program, no? Yeah. Just get to a super. Yeah. Yeah. And I like Doug Nikhazy in a three-game set. Yeah. I mean, I like Will Etheridge and Nikhazy. I, yeah. I mean, that's a one-two punch that'll play. Now, who pitches that third game in the regional? Don't get to it. Oh, oh the third game of the regional? I don't know. You just figure out. You just kind of look and see what you got when you get there, I guess. I mean, if you had to pick a starter for a third game in a regional right now, I'd go Tyler Myers. Uh, that's, that's who I'd go. Assuming he didn't pitch in the first two days. Yes. No, I would not hold Tyler Myers if I needed to throw him to win game one or two. And you you win the that. first two games and you figure out the third game. Exactly. Because if you and everybody, as soon as I say this, I remember Tennessee Tech. Yeah, I do. But I also remember that Tennessee Tech had to kill themselves to win three games in in 24 hours. It's so hard to it's so hard to win a regional if you don't go two and oh, the problem that Ole Miss face is that it had to win one game out of two in one day. And when you lose the first game, the way Ole Miss lost it, which was really ugly. Coming back and trying to regain momentum, they would have benefited from from doing it the next day. Correct. Having to do yep. it after losing like that, you felt like because it was over. That's the problem with the doubleheader. How many times do you see in Major League Baseball, if you've got a two-game doubleheader in one day, the team that wins game one usually just when goes ahead two. and takes game two? Yep, exactly. I mean, it happened, it happened Saturday. I mean, you know, uh, it's just kind of – and another thing that people kind of forget is if they have another day off, Will Etheridge pitches on Monday. I'm not convinced Will Etheridge might not start on Monday if he if they have the day off. And they win the game because they don't score. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. you know, it's just kind of a crap situation. But Ole Miss's regionals are always infected with rain. Yeah, and they're always affected by something weird and excuses <laughs> for why they didn't win. At least – And Sykes Orvis triples. In the last nine years, it's felt like that. 
So, yeah. <laughs> Fair but enough. if you had to pick one third starter right now, it would be Tyler Myers. Yes, if it's if he's okay, available, he's pitched, in, he's pitched once in the first two days. Then who are you going with? Uh, Goner. I mean, yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't really know who the other other option would be. You know, like I I don't trust Houston Roth to do anything right now. Yeah, no, I still. And he may disagree. I still think the injury is bothering him. I do. I don't. His velocity is eighty-seven miles an hour. And he was but they're not saying that. I don't. I. I know. I don't. So you I can only go them. by what they're saying. I don't. I don't believe them. <laughs> I think he's still hurt. I agree. I agree. Something's bothering him, or is at least affecting him. Still. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at some point. I mean, in, in, in fairness, it is results. Like. Uh, did he, yes, he's throwing 87, 88. He's probably still hurt. That doesn't take away from the fact that the results aren't there right now. So, yeah, it's it's Gunnar Hogland or it's uh, it's Tyler Myers because I don't know if they would trust Zach Phillips right now to throw a uh, regional championship game. But Colin Brister right now on April 11th is predicting Ole Miss to host. Correct, yeah. And, okay. and I feel good about hosting for sure. Okay. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter going now to former Ole Miss defensive end John Youngblood on the Cheney's Pharmacy phone line. But first, the podcast brought to you by Thomas Chandler, your modern woodman representative. If you need help financially, contact Thomas today. He'll help you with retirement, savings, getting your financials in order. He's done it for me. He can do it for you. So what does modern woodman do? How about financial security for you and your family through life insurance, retirement planning, financial services? How about quality family life through member benefits and local fraternal activities? Community impact through local volunteer projects that make a difference where members live, work, and play. If your finances are bogging you down as they were for me, contact Thomas today. He's a personal friend. He's the one to talk to. 662-296-0186. 662-296-0186. To learn more, go to www.modernwoodman.org. That's www.modernwoodman.org. Thomas Chandler, your Modern Woodman representative. The podcast also brought to you by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. I hate the car buying process. Cannot stand it. It overwhelms me. It's easy for a salesman to get one over on me. Hey, uh, this is a good deal for you. Okay, cool. Thanks. I'm not good at haggling. And that's why Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is the only place for me to go. And first of all, anybody that's listened to this podcast for any length of time knows I do not vouch for sponsors I truly don't believe in. But the car buying process with Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is second to none, believe me. If you're like me, you're simply just looking to get the best deal. And if that's the case, to avoid the headache, head on over to Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. They're going to take care of you and get you into your next vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory is priced to sell, and what separates them is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Tell them Talk of Champions sent you. It's probably not going to help all that much, but it'll be cool for me, and they'll probably want to talk about spring football or basketball recruiting or the Ole Miss baseball season. But more importantly, they'll want to make the process as seamless as possible, that you get what you want at a good price. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. Stop by and see them today at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. Joining me now on the Cheney's Pharmacy phone line is John Youngblood, former Ole Miss defensive end. What are you doing now, John? Oh, right now I'm just uh, finishing up work here. Uh Work at uh, Realtree Outdoors here in Columbus, Georgia. Oh, nice. Did you always anticipate yeah. going into that after football? 
I knew I was going to get a degree and I knew I was going to get a job. Uh, both of those, <laughs> I did not know anything I wanted to do, study, but you know, it, it, it worked out. I ended up getting my degree in marketing and then, um, landed a, um, essentially sales, but working in licensing, uh, real true. But yeah, I did not anticipate being here. Are you embracing adulting yet? <laughs> God, it's horrible. I mean, you know, right? all the responsibilities. Right? Yeah. It, I mean, God, actually having to be responsible for more things than just making sure you eat, sleep, and show up somewhere. It's, it's, it's not as fun as they say. It's not. It's not the football life. You led the glamorous football life for years at Ole Miss. Exactly. You're actually back on campus yep. for the Grove Bowl weekend. The Chucky Mullins Award Banquet came and went. You're obviously a former Chucky Mullins Award recipient. Austrian Robinson named Chucky yeah. Mullins Award winner. What are your thoughts on Austrian Robinson and the award itself and him being the latest guy to get it? I think it's pretty awesome. Um, it, it was kind of funny, though. I was, uh, I was talking with a couple of former players um, and teammates of mine. You know, he'll be the last one we will know to, to win the award. Um, but uh, knowing him and playing a little bit with him, I think he's a great fit. Um, he was always a, a, a hard worker. Um, you know, he never really had any anything bad to say about him. You know, he'd come up, he'd he'd show up, he'd he'd do the work, um, and and that's what you would expect from him. So it was uh, it was very. I was very happy for him whenever I heard he was going to be the winner. Is there an extra responsibility, added responsibility? Do you feel the weight of something when you win that award? Is there something there? Oh, certainly. I mean, you know, I, I spoke a little bit about it um, whenever I won it, um, but it's pretty awesome to, you know, I guess be have your name thrown around there with some of the guys that have won it. Um, and then obviously to not only be a winner, but to really have a – solidification with the um, university, uh, I guess you would say, and especially the football program. Um, you know, it's definitely the, the highest award um, an, an Ole Miss football player could win being on the team. Um, and then not only having having that for the football aspect, you know, it, it definitely means you have to be more than just a, you know, regular Joe. You have to be a, a great, upstanding citizen for the city of Oxford. I mean, you know, just going back and uh, seeing people who know you or knew you or know know your name, um, definitely uh, definitely have responsibility for that. Does it feel like a special fraternity when you see another Chucky Mullins Award recipient? Do you kind of nod at each other? You know, do the like little hat <laughs> tip. That's actually funny that you asked that because uh, I actually sat next to Trey Sutherland um, during the uh, during the award ceremony, um, and then. Afterwards, we were uh, um, up in the uh, south end zone, um, and I was—I think I was just getting a drink um, there at some of the—that's uh, um, where the, the players were up there in the south end zone. But I was—I uh, think I was getting a drink, and then um, I was walking by and I saw Johnny Dixon. Of course, he spoke at the award ceremony, um, and I think he had a, a group of people around. He was talking, and uh, he happened to look my way, and our—we we, kind of looked at each other, and it's funny because we did give each other the nod essentially um but we've never formerly met so yeah it, it's funny that you brought that up yeah it would seem to me like the fraternity would be pretty close because not a lot of guys get this award and we all know what it means for Ole Miss and this that and the other but the added responsibility knowing what it, the significance of it what it means the story behind it um it would s- seem to be a pretty memorable day do you remember your day pretty well as far as when you got it and what it meant to you 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, I, I pretty much remember everything about that day. It was, it was pretty cool. Um, I, I actually have the, the screenshot saved on my phone, but I, I woke up and, you know, just trying to see what the day was going to be like, you know, you'll check the weather or something because we're actually going to have some people over, uh, over at our house. Uh, later I was running with Will Few and, uh, Will Gleason and Ryan Buchanan at the time. So we're just going to have some guys over, um, afterwards to, you know, celebrate the end of spring practice and whatnot. And, obviously winning the award after that, but I woke up and I checked the weather um, and it said it feels like it's 38 degrees outside. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, that's nice. Um, that's, that's, but, that's a nice little yeah. coincidence there. Yeah. A little, a little precursor to sure what the day had to offer, but yeah, I remember, um, you know, getting there and then obviously winning it and, you know, just kind of reflecting on how my coaches, my teammates, you know, thought, thought highly of me to, to give me the award. So it was, it was real special. Um, and then, my mom and dad were able to make it. Uh, my now wife, uh, girl, girlfriend at the time, Mary Francis, she she actually uh, booked a, um, I think, a, a late flight. She was actually out of town. Um, and then I think it was, uh, I think they, I think the football staff, John Miller, told my parents about it. So she actually took a uh, red-eye flight back into Memphis so she could actually be there. And I was totally shocked that she was there and showing up for me but you know she she went to Ole Miss and so she graduated and so she obviously knows how much the award um means to whoever wins it so it was awesome just for for that day and to share the experience just with everybody I love being there did you ever think that you would get to that moment because we've been through this before you've been on this podcast before and your recruitment was strange I mean think Ole Miss called you a couple of days before signing day you end up coming to <laughs> Ole Miss and signing, and then you have this career to think about then and where you were. And who did you pick Ole Miss over? Uh, UCF. That's right. Central Florida yeah. to end up at Ole Miss mm-hmm. and then to end up with the highest award that Ole Miss has to offer. Was it a surreal moment for you once you got it to think about the road in which you've traveled? Yeah, it really is. Um, you know, talking with uh, just some some people I, some I work with and some – work colleagues, you know, they, they'll ask me about the Ole Miss experience and just, you know, recruitment as, you know, Simon Day came and went and, you know, talking about their respective teams. Um, you know, they, uh, they, you know, want to know about my recruitment and whatnot and just how it, it was, it was probably big and illustrious. And, you know, I broke the news to him. I was like, you know, it, it's nothing like you think it was. Um, but then it, what it came out to was, you know, everything you just mentioned and just, how, how awesome it was, you know, I really couldn't have dreamed stepping foot on campus there, you know, to, you know, making absolutely the most out of it. I mean, my, especially my thought process of, you know, trying to pick the not only best program to join, but, you know, the best school, um, you know, Ole Miss has a extensive background of alumni, you know, the, uh, the roots run deep. It is, you know, the flagship university of the state. So the alumni are plentiful and, you know, not only was I hoping to get a, a degree from a good school, you know, but hopefully be able to shake some hands and network my way, um, you know, into possibly a, a, a job or a future or, you know, turn it into a career. And I was able to, you know, essentially accomplish all those things with, you know, some some great added value along the way. Did you get to pick your number or did they assign you 47? That's a terrible number, John. Yeah. It's it's not. It's a great number. No. I love that number. Really? <laughs> yes. I, oh yeah. I mean, hey, Tony Fine wore the number. So it's true. Who, who can 
Yeah, it was a great number. It's I was actually just randomly given the, the number when I was a freshman in high school. And I just, whatever, I, I never really had a number when I was growing up playing sports. So I was kind of given that number um, and then talking with uh, uh, Coach Kiffin a little bit. And um, especially whenever I showed up, I had to, had to bribe Ken Crane into uh, making track. It, I, I was able to keep number 47. But, yeah, it, it, it really adopted me. In no way, shape, or form did I pick it. Now I feel bad. Now you're defending the number, and I feel bad. Because <laughs> I always have this conversation, like, for example, with my buddy Kentrell Lockett. He was assigned 46, uh, and he hated 46. He hated that number. And I was always curious for freshmen coming in, not under Ed Orgeron, thank God, but under other coaches, if they were assigned those numbers. But, no, you wanted it. Yeah, I did. I did. And it, and it worked out, but it's okay. I won't hold it against you. 38's a little cleaner. I love it. Yep. No, it, it rolls off the tongue. I, I'm, a, I'm more of a even guy than an odd guy. So the so 38, yeah, it, it's, it's awesome. And you were in the video package for the Chucky Mullins Award, the touchdown that you scored. Is that your favorite moment, your favorite Ole Miss moment? I, I would have to say so. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I'll go ahead and say yes, because uh, it, it – not only was it, you know, I, well, I actually grew up an Alabama fan, you know, just make sure you don't tell anybody, um, but definitely all missed through and through. But uh, growing up in Birmingham, I was uh, I was exposed to, you know, the uh, Alabama uh, mentality. Uh, my parents, unfortunately, did some time there um, in their college days. So I was a little kind of baptized into it. Um, obviously, I uh, uh, grew a brain and, you know, came to the right side, but... <laughs> Um, not only, uh, not only scoring a touchdown against them, but then, um, uh, my, uh, my aunt and uncle, um, they were able to, uh, come watch me play for the uh, first time in college. Um, uh, my cousin was there and I think also one of my other uncles were there. Um, so they were able to come to the game and, uh, experience that. And, you know, it was, it was a, it was a great game. Um, you know, great crowd, you know, it was a beautiful, it was pretty dang hot as well but it was a beautiful day there so they had to they were able to experience all of the the fullness of game day in oxford you know um unfortunately minus the uh, the win but they were able to experience everything so that was that was awesome and for them to be there for that play to happen it was uh I'd, it kind of gives me chills thinking about it because it was just such a such a perfect play did it take the parents long to rid themselves of the crimson when you went and played at Ole Miss? <laughs> well, if you asked any parent that question with of course. a uh, with a four year tuition on the line, yeah, I think they would throw any school away. Maybe you know, given it's their home alma mater, but yeah, they they completely dis- disavowed that their their allegiance to that school in, in every shape and form. Are they back with the Crimson Tide though? Now you're done. Oh my goodness, no, 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 yeah, no, no. wow, they, they, oh, I, yeah, they're 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 rebels. I mean, it's it's in my my DNA now. It's 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 they they got they got bit by the bug, so they're they're definitely rebels as well. So if John Youngblood Jr., five star recruit, <laughs> is picking between Alabama or Ole Miss, are you going to do what he <laughs> wants to do, or are you steering him to your alma mater? There might be a couple side comments that I'll, I'll have with him, but uh, it it might sway him one way or the other. So uh, I'll just leave it at that. I'll simply say, for the best interest of John Youngblood Jr., 
put the ball in his left hand and make him throw like 83, 84 miles an hour and he'll have a 15-year MLB career. Don't even worry about football. Not only that, but, you know, pick up a putter and don't put it down. Yes. That's what he needs to as we as we go into Masters weekend. Yes. So, yeah. Are you more excited about the Masters or the return of Game of Thrones? Ooh, wow. That's, that, that's actually a no-brainer there. Game of Thrones for sure. Yes. <laughs> yes. We do a segment on this podcast called The Night is Dark and Full of Spoilers, and we basically just talk about Game of Thrones after we've talked about an hour of all this stuff, like 40 minutes of Game of Thrones every once in a while. I'll ask you, who ends up on the Iron Throne? Dang, I don't know. I I, I love looking at the looking at all the odds that, that are out there about who they have. Um, you know, I, I want to go with the safe bet, saying, um, you know, saying either Khaleesi or Jon Snow. But I, I don't know. I just feel like there's going to be a, a unpleasant Lan, Lan, Lannister twist to it. I I feel like I, that's kind of in my gut deep down. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like it wouldn't be Game of Thrones if there wasn't some grand twist at the end. Like, Danny dies in childbirth, Jon Snow dies at the hands of the Night King, and their son or daughter <laughs> assumes the throne. That makes the most sense. Yeah, yep, yep. Just something crazy who no one can think of. But Which, which by the way, I love the... Uh, the Jimmy Fallon um, uh, April Fool's prank that they played with uh, yes. the, the actress who who plays Arya Stark that was good. that actually got me going when I saw the Facebook uh, video. Maisie Williams did a hell of a job there. She sold it. She did a good job selling it. You've done a good job of selling Ole Miss since you've left. You were at the Grove Bowl. What did you think of the team? I thought they looked good. Um, you know, I was happy to see you know just just passion, enthusiasm, and a lot of effort to it. Um, you know, I. I was talking to um, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of my teammates, and I felt like the uh, the biggest drawback from last season was you know either not enough passion or um, you know maybe not enough effort. I, mean, I, I really, I mean, honestly, when you get down to it, I feel like at that at that level, the scheme that the coaches implement, you know, can work. I just feel like it comes down to the the want to and the execution and essentially the effort of the players, you know, wanting to make that system work. So I was, I was happy to see that. The defense was so bad last year. You're a defensive guy. Are you seeing improvement in your small sample of watching Ole Miss defensively under Mike McIntyre in his first year as defensive coordinator? I thought so. Um, the biggest, the biggest disappointment last season was you would see the ball carrier get tackled by one, two, maybe three guys at a time. Um, and I and I can wholeheartedly say this, you know, in some of the worst losses in the 2014 season, if you took any game, even the the shutout that Arkansas gave us, then I I, I would take that defense, how horribly they played then, over you know some of the some of the games last year. I just thought the the effort wasn't there. I thought you know the execution definitely wasn't there, but you know the the players didn't take ownership of it to you know, make it work or make it change. So I, I think there's improvement. So what would John Youngblood leader do if you were going through a season like last year defensively? How would you go at the locker room, if you will? I don't know. I'd, I'd, I would really question just, you know, why are you here? You know, that that would essentially be be the main question here. You know, if, if guys aren't, you know, putting out the effort, showing up, you know, especially for game day, then – why are you here? You know, if, if you're not, if you're not practicing, like we're about to go out there and, 
compete for a sugar bowl, if we're not going to compete for, you know, the SEC and, you know, getting a chance to play in Atlanta, then why are we putting ourselves through, you know, the, the, the beating we're taking at practice, showing up for weight, showing up for film? Why are we giving up so much of this time if we're not going to do it for the, you know, handful of games we get a year to go out there and give it everything we have? That That's I, that's why I've never understood it. You know, why would you not show up to every practice and give it all you have? Why, why would you not do everything you have knowing that there's a expiration date on everything you're doing? And speaking from the other side of the other side now, you know, that it's, it's very apparent. You've always been a chill dude. Were you ever mad? Did you ever get really fired up in the locker room and jump somebody's ass? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, I got a, I got a dark side. A couple people can find. Um, yeah, I, there's a, yeah, I, there's a deep fire in me, and you know, it, it, it's fueled by not, not giving effort, which I've, I've probably said the word effort about a hundred times in the last <laughs> five minutes. Not getting, not giving effort, and not showing up, and actually caring. So it, it it's a, it's a deep fuel, and that, that obviously burns whenever it comes game time, but. You, you got to be able to turn it on and turn it off um, whenever, uh, you know, whenever, whenever it's not time to tear somebody's face off, you got to make sure you can t- turn that off. <laughs> the maddest John Youngblood has ever been in football was when? Ooh, huh. probably, dang. Cause I, I was always, so, I was always so focused on just breathing and not, you know, keeling over and coach pulling me out to ever get mad that much on the field. I was probably, probably any time we've ever played LSU or Arkansas, um, probably because Arkansas, because we, we could never beat them for no matter what reason, you know, including the just ridiculous play that still baffles everybody with the Henry, the Henry heave. Um, and then LSU for obvious reasons, probably, probably those games. Um, I mean, I've had people ask me, well, why not Mississippi State? Well, because we've the uh, the last two years uh, I played them, we absolutely throttled them. So I, I was having a great time out there. Where were you? What was your vantage point for fourth and twenty-five? Oh my gosh, it was in front of everything. I was so I was standing right next to Coach Kiffin. So he, let's see, he was actually running out of bounds right in front of me. <laughs> before he turned around and chunked it. He, so I, I, I could have given him a hug and said, Hey, nice game. As soon as if he would have just kept running or if he would have went down right then and there, but I proceeded to watch that happen. Oh my gosh. I, I can't believe it happened. Biggest gut punch of your career. Yes, I would say, I mean <clears throat> that. And then the Auburn loss when Laquan went down as close second. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's yeah the uh, John Youngblood Jr. five star <laughs> will not go to Arkansas and he will not go to Mississippi State. He won't go to LSU either or yeah. Alabama. But um, you know, just the, those schools in particular. So thinking back to the Sugar Bowl win year, you yeah. lose three games that year, but it felt like had fourth and twenty five not happened, had y'all won that game. Y'all could have probably beaten anybody you lined up against. Did you think that that team was a national championship caliber team? Oh, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. It's it was crazy because um, every summer, you know, the coaches would have a big get together with uh, their position group, 
Um, so we were over at Coach Kiffin's um, the summer leading up to that season. Um, and uh, it was, we were coming off the 2014 year. Um, and then we, we would always either rewatch a game or something. And so we, of course, we turned on the Alabama game and just talking about it and how they went on to the national championship. But just feeling so confident that year that we beat the best team out there. And then fast forwarding to the next season after the 2015 season um, that summer, you know, and having that feeling again, it was just, but knowing how, how much better we were, it was just mind blowing. I mean, to look at the talent, to look at the guys, look at the scheme, coaches, everything we had, I mean, all the horses were in the stable. We just were, were honestly dealt a bad hand on that that one aspect. I mean, you, you can, you can accredit it to that one play. Sure. It shouldn't have led up to that, but I mean, dang, if, if there was a time it would have been then. I still know how you lost to Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> to this day. Oh man, that, that is beyond me. That is beyond me. I mean, I, I can't even drive through that town anymore without <laughs> feeling just such bitter anger. <laughs> Okay, so I set the over-under at five and a half wins for Ole Miss football next season. You taking the over or the under? Oh, over, confidently, oh. over. Why sure. so confident? I mean, what, what was our record last year? It was five and seven, correct? Yeah. Yeah, if we, if we, if we went five wins with um, the, the scheme and the caliber we had last year, I, I confidently say six, seven wins this year. I mean, at least. I, I, I really like it. So you're a big believer in Matt Corral then? I'm a big believer in the scheme. I think, think you know, we'll, we'll, we got some good young guns. I, I, Jordan was such a great guy. He's a, he's a great friend. I mean, I feel like I can walk up and say to, hey to him and kind of pick up where we left off the last time. So I feel like, you know, he 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 had anybody, or if he had anybody, it would have been him that he could learn some good things from him. Um, so I, I I expect some good things from him. He's John Youngblood, former Ole Miss defensive end. Enjoy Game of Thrones on Sunday. Enjoy the lazy watching <laughs> the Masters. Once the Iron Throne has been assumed by someone, you're going to have to come on and talk about it probably. Oh, absolutely. I, I, will, I will be mad if you don't have me back on because I will talk somebody's ear off about Game of Thrones. So I'm looking forward to it. Thank you, buddy. We'll talk again. Absolutely. I appreciate it. That was John Youngblood on the Chinese Pharmacy phone line. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. We're also available on SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions, and we both write for the Ole Miss Spirit. OmSpirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. For all your pharmaceutical needs, Cheney's Pharmacy is the place to go. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy. Pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give them a call 662-234-7221 or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Ole Miss basketball hosts Austin Crowley, four-star wing, for an official visit this weekend. He's already here, and they're hosting him this weekend. I would be shocked at this point. Shocked if he ended up anywhere else other than Ole Miss. They're also in on Kadeem Sai, a Juco guy, a grad transfer from Butler and Joey Brunk, Christian Keelan, a graduate transfer from Charleston Southern, and Sean McNeil, a Juco guard. 
I was told earlier this week, it's one or the other with Kadeem Sai or Joey Brunk. But I also, when talking to sources, put it out there. If Joey Brunk and Kadeem Sai wanted to both come, and assuming you got Austin Crowley, you really going to say no? And that's what the question is. And it's a fascinating question. Bennett Hip earlier this week thought that if they only picked one or the other, that they'd be a big short. I think ultimately if they got to that point where both wanted to come, they take both of them and figure it out. It's a fascinating discussion. Do you think they'd be one big short if they didn't take both of them? Uh, yeah. I mean, it depends on what you're kind of doing with Carlos Curry. Uh, I'm not sure what the, what the, they're not getting rid of him. Yeah, no, I feel like if they were getting rid of him, he'd be gone by now. So yeah, I feel like he's going to be there. I think they actually like him. I don't know how it feels like a project and I don't know how far along they are on the project. I kind of agree with Bennett that though, I think they need to get both or they need to get two bigs or it feels like that they probably just aren't going to, I mean, it's not going to be a detriment per se, but I I do think they would want to have both for, from a depth perspective, for sure. Here's the thing. Everyone would point to Franco Miller and say, that's the guy. It's not so simple. First yeah. off, they love the player. They love his family. They believe in the talent. But the Bahamas connection has been good to Ole Miss. Franco yep. Miller helped get Sammy Hunter, who Ole Miss believes had he been evaluated like all the other top 100 prospects across the country, would have been a top 100 prospect because he was in the Bahamas, then on into Canada. He didn't get the same eyeballs on him that he needed to get the huge ranking of other top 100 players. But Ole Miss loves that talent. He was huge in, in, in landing him. There's also a junior coming up out of the Bahamas. I can't remember the name, but same kind of deal. Top 100 talent. Ole Miss is in on it. Ole Miss is beloved in the Bahamas right now. They're like Oklahoma down there now. <laughs> and if you get rid of Franco, that probably hurts you. I think it's yeah. fair to think that that probably sure. would hurt you down there. So it's not so simple as, oh, well, he's not doing anything for you. They're going to give him every opportunity to get healthy. And they love Luis Rodriguez. So where do you go? Now, yeah. Brian Tyree has, is going to test the NBA draft waters. He's not going to hire an agent. Far more likely than not that he's going to end up back at Ole Miss. I would be shocked if he doesn't end sure. up back at Ole Miss. But there is a path for him to make the choice or decision for Ole Miss himself and just stay in the NBA draft. Is it going to happen? No. But there is that chance. Other than that, what other option is available to you? Having a right. guy co-prep school? Yeah, There's no obvious candidate in the fall. Is, is Howard not an option for that anymore? There was some talk about it in the fall. Where it is right now is, no, he's not going to prep school. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, because K.J. Buffin, Blake Henson, Brian Tyree, and Devontae Shuler are untouchable. If they, if they want scholarships, they are going to be at Ole Miss. Um, but like you said, it, it's not a situation, and I think – I don't really think it's a situation where they want to keep Franco Miller because of, you know, the Bahamas connection. I think you're, I think the talent, like, I think they believe that kid can play. Uh, if the need responds like it. So I don't think they want to let him go. And like you said, they love Luis Rodriguez, but it's just kind of, I mean, you're putting together a roster. You've got to assemble the most talented roster that you can put on the floor. And right. Just kinda, and, and that's where the decision becomes really hard. Yep. There's no obvious player to remove from the roster anymore. There's no Brian Hallams or Zach Naylor anymore. Or Dom. Or Dom. There's no obvious candidate, and that's where it gets tricky for them. So let me, let me just try to get the math straight here. They have to cut a player for each person they sign no, from now on? No, they have two okay. open scholarships. Two. Okay. They're going to yes. get Austin Crowley. Yep, so there's one. And they're going to at least, at least land one of those bigs, so there's two. But okay. if both wants to want to come, Brunk and Cy, you got to open up a spot, and that's where it gets tricky. 
What happens if okay? I'm just. What happens if they want to land? If they land Bronk Sai and then the McNeil kid wants to come? Uh, I mean, it, I don't it think you're going to be able to do that. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. I, I, I don't. Everybody always says numbers work out. Well, I'd really like to see how those numbers will yeah, work out. Yeah. <laughs> Usually I can map it out in my brain or I can write it down on paper and say, oh, okay, well, they could do this. But this is the hardest one. I've been covering almost basketball recruiting now for 11 years. And this is the first time where it's not obvious to me. It's just not. Yeah, or the I, path I don't is know different. what they do. And I'm not, do you think they know what they do? No, I think right now Ole Miss is split. Some coaches, oh, it's one or the other with Cy and Brunk. Other coaches, well, they both want to come. <laughs> How know? many years of eligibility does Cy have? Three? Two? two. His two. Two, yeah. and Brunk has two as well. Okay, so that doesn't yeah. play a factor at all. Yeah, yeah. It's a hard well, decision to make. Yeah, I mean, that's why they get – you know, that's why they're hired and, and a really good coach. Yeah, that's why you make the big bucks. You got the uh, contract extension term and you got to bump up in salary. It's a tough one. <laughs> you get to make this call. Hey, you think our boy AK can get the job at USM? Hmm. That'd be a weird fit, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think so too. But I was just, you know, Mississippi connection. I didn't know if, if it, you thought it was possible. Hmm. I don't think USM's a spot. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't. I was just kind of hoping you get back into coaching this year. I think he will. I think okay. he will. But USM, uh, I don't know. I don't know if USM would go that route. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. But it's going to be a tough decision for Ole Miss basketball. But keep your eyes on the news, Twitter, the Ole Miss Spirit, OleMissSpirit.com. Austin Crowley visiting this weekend. Some good news could pop. Potentially as early, early as Friday. I saw the same thing. Things imminent there? Yes. Okay. I think he could be committed by the end of the weekend. That'd be big. Yeah. I think just because, because look, I worked in West Point where he was uh, right out of college. I think that he was happy that Bryce Drew was fired because I think the kid wanted to go to Ole Miss. I think he, uh, I think he realized he made a mistake. That was a complete exactly. surprise for Ole Miss. Here's what was going to happen. He was going to take his visits. Vanderbilt was first. Then he was going to go to Minnesota. Then he was going to come to Ole Miss. And Ole Miss was under the belief that once those two visits happened, he was going to come to Ole Miss, commit, and sign. That was the plan that was laid out. He wanted to go on his visits, and yet he goes to Vanderbilt and boom, commits and shuts it down. Vanderbilt yeah. came out of nowhere. Ole Miss sent all of its coaches one time close to his visit weekends starting up, sent all of its coaches to watch like an 8 a.m. practice or something for him, and Vanderbilt wasn't even there. This is like a week out from his visit, and Vanderbilt didn't really have a presence around Austin Crowley throughout his whole recruitment, and then he goes to Vanderbilt and commits. It came completely huh. out of left field. Funny how that works. Yes. <laughs> yes. But I agree Funny. with you. Blake Hinton said the same thing, even though he didn't call out Austin Crowley's right. name after the loss in the NCAA tournament said that player, his fo coach just got fired, believed he'd already made a mistake anyway. So I think at this point, all signs point toward Austin Crowley's going to be at Ole Miss. What's his role next year? Uh, oh, he he's playing. Yeah. Yeah. He's playing a lot. He's the backup point and two, right? Probably. Yeah. I wouldn't put it past him starting. I was told his maturity level is on the same kind of it playing is. field as Blake Henson. You So you think he could start at three? I don't know. Who else okay. do they add? I don't know. <laughs> I don't, Fair enough. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. 
It's yeah. going to be fascinating to watch, but keep an eye on that. Austin Crowley visiting Ole Miss this week. And this has been Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett. Thanks to John Youngblood, former Ole Miss defensive lineman. I was going to have Maester Daniel on for another edition of the 90s Dark and Full of Spoilers as Game of Thrones is coming back on Sunday. However, Maester Daniel is out of town. We're going to have the 90s Dark and Full of Spoilers after the Season 8 premiere on Sunday. So if you've got questions after the premiere, send them in. Drop a mention to at Spirit Ben. He's at Colin Brister. Thanks, man. Are you going to be paying attention on Sunday to Game of Thrones? Uh, I need – okay. So are you going to like disown our friendship no, or cancel no, our Bennett, friendship? No, Bennett hadn't seen it either. Okay, I haven't. But I, I, it's not a situation where like I'll have, I'm not planning on watching it. You're I going to, to eventually. It. Yes, yeah, I'm going to. Yeah. Well, I've made the plan of Game of Thrones is over in six weeks. Okay. After that, I'm going to start Deadwood. I've never seen Deadwood. And they got a movie okay. coming out in June. Have you seen Deadwood? Yeah. I can't, I can't say that I have. Yeah. Now I'm starting to lose respect for you. Have you seen The Wire? Okay. Uh, I've seen bits and pieces. Okay, man. This is done. This is <laughs> We're done. not friends anymore. Not, yeah. It's over. He's Colin Brister. I'm Ben Garrett. Thanks, man. We'll talk again. All right, bud. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.